0: I was pleased to see you smile at
1: the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct.
2: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And training camp has begun. Lakers opened up their training camp yesterday, and Mike and I were were on the scene. We got a little bit of uh scrimmaging in. The three of us got to see a, a little bit of that. I tried to make a video guys to put together some highlights of the scrimmage and whatnot. And that got swatted into the third row for reasons I totally understand by the higher ups. And so we will just have to testify here on this podcast as to what happened there. But there was plenty of interesting stuff there, Mike, in the media availability afterward as well. I thought there was a great theme of like building on the idea of continuity and like, we're not starting at square one. And so I'm interested. What were your takeaways from the first day of camp?
3: into a lot of first days of camp at this point and i texted a friend that works on a different team in the nba something along, along the lines of lakers are feeling pretty good about how things are going they're looking pretty good and, and he responded everybody feels that way on the first day and i sure. said hold on hold on hold on i'm saying in the context of my experience watching the team like for lakers day there is a difference between of course everybody's going to feel pretty good that's you don't get to the nba if you don't have a certain level of um, inner confidence and talent and all of that so yes there are going to be good reports out of every team around the nba but just for the lakers relative to the last several years especially it was obvious it was just guys were kind of bursting out of the seams uh darvin ham was extremely excited in his interview d was in a really good mood um you could see sort of just the way that ad and lebron were interacting on the court and sort of the new guys there's just a lot of A lot of positivity going on right now, and I think that part of it we got to yesterday, Darius, as to why, and the mix of talent, the seeming lack of agenda from from a player that isn't quite sure of their circumstance. I can't really isolate a situation like that, and usually you can um, on many teams. So everybody does seem to be right now rowing in the same direction, which meets with health, which meets with talent. And uh, it was a it was even more encouraging, I think, than what I had expected coming in in expectations were pretty high. So a lot, actually, not even a lot. Everything has to be proven. Okay, They have they literally haven't had a preseason game, of course. But these were from a vibe standpoint, even relative to the first day of training camp. Uh, it was it was very clear that they're in a good place to start.
1: Yeah, Mike, I don't think your compatriots around the league are wrong. Optimism reigns supreme at this time of the year for every team. I think, though, that if you're labeled as one of the five to seven teams that is in competition to win the NBA championship viably, and the spirit around the team is, let's go get it, and the initial conversations and first workouts imply, hmm, this is on the table for us. And the people who are looking around that room are a head coach who's been on a championship winning staff and a player who's won four NBA championships and another player who has won a, a championship is basically like the top guy. AD, people forget that like AD was amazing in conjunction with LeBron Pete. And when it's those guys who look around the room And are serious about their chances. And it's not just lip service. And this is the difference, I think. Like every year the Lakers go into this time of the season and it's like, well, our goal is to win the next championship and right. you know, before it was to tie the Boston Celtics. And then after that, and now is to like surpass the Boston Celtics and hold the most NBA championships. That's always the goal. That's always a North star for this organization. We know though, when that's actually on the table and when it's not. And this season, it feels a little bit different. I was super interested in just the general sense of togetherness from a team and we've talked about the continuity, Pete, but also the new guys. It's not too different to me than the nineteen twenty season in that everyone seems to understand that there is a mm-hmm. role there for them and that they're going to try to grasp and hold on to that role as firmly as they can. And this team has the added bonus, I think, of there being competition for some of those roles and yep. what that is going to do to elevate the spirit in the room in terms of, well, I want this. I'm going to go get it. We've talked about this within the context of Max Christie, but the same could be said of Jackson Hayes or Torian Prince or even Gabe Vincent. There's a range that exists within these roles. And I think these guys are fighting for the upper end of that range. And I think it's going to be great for the mentality and approach day in and day out of the team.
2: Darvin spoke to this in the initial press conference that he did with, uh, with Rob Polenka, in that it's important to foster an environment of competing together as a family, as opposed to the me versus you for a spot in the rotation type of role. And that's hard, right? Like it's our natural instincts and several guys are on one-year contracts where how they do this year will very much affect the next contract that they get. So it's a challenge to get a, a team in that sort of place. And that's one of the reasons why I think you're top players need to be your lieutenants. And that's a thing that Darvin said yesterday in media availability that really caught my ear. He was talking about when he would say at the beginning of a drill or whatever they were working on, okay, we're going to do this. Last year, LeBron and AD are standing there listening, going, okay, like they're one of the students in that respect. This year, Darvin was talking about how they would be, as soon as they would hear, this is what we're going to be doing, they'd immediately turn to one of the new guys and be like, okay, that means you're doing this, this, and that, right? And so last season, you know, AD, I remember vividly, Mike, talking about him getting used to the center field coverage in terms of uh, Darwin's defensive scheme versus Frank's and how – it was his instinct to come up a little bit higher and he had kind of like fight the urge to do that because Darwin was like, no, no, let the guards do their thing. We're not going over the top of every screen and it's important that you stay back in the paint. Now AD is one of the teachers of that, right? And, and so that to me is one of the like building blocks, right? We're not starting from square one. And I think that that is what really kind of gets a team aligned. And from the footage that I saw of yesterday, one of the things that really stood out to me was just like the vocal leadership of LeBron on and AD and just like the level of like, this is what we're here to do and and get organized to do. And I think that helps that whole, uh, that whole dynamic of like not competing against each other, but competing together toward a common goal.
3: Yeah. hundred percent. The first week of practice, you know, I'm not in there actually watching practice, so which there are some people. Uh, on the staff and like a, on the internal Lakers staff, I should say, but I treat myself more because I am uh, as a media member, even though I also work for the team. So I'm coming in after they've done the more competitive parts. But what I try to do from that point is just ask a couple people that I know, know stuff, uh, what they're seeing. And my top takeaway, I guess, from and this is, would be from collective personnel, collective people, uh, people's opinions um, is about Anthony Davis. and looking as good as he's looked we heard already about the jump shot austin said that on a podcast in san diego we've spent plenty of time um on this pod talking about his jump shot uh to me it's more of a there's lebron of course was there when they traded for anthony davis and lebron is lebron but over the course of these last four years has there been some some leveling up for ad relative to lebron which you could argue, is it? I don't know how important these things are. I happen to think that they're kind of important. Mm-hmm. As you, as a team, finds its identity, and and LeBron is still going to be LeBron, but is Anthony Davis just seems like he's taking bigger role? Whether it's leadership, whether it's how much he's going to have the ball, uh, all of these different things that I think could play out. And that to me, we already started to see that transition in the postseason last year. But I thought that it could have been pushed even further, and my only question, my own, the only thing that makes me hesitate a little bit on this whole AD continued emergence. And we're, we're speaking of course about offense because how much more could he really do on defense that he just did in the post season, but Pete or Darius, can Anthony Davis ha- continue to take more of that role from LeBron, more shots, more the guy, everything runs through, et cetera, and still do everything that he's had to do on defense with what the rest of the roster is. And I won't answer my own question. Uh, I, th- I do think that they the length in the athleticism is different, and it helps this year relative to last the last two years of camp, certainly. but that's like while it, to me that's a big, it's a very much a good thing for the Lakers that a d is emerging, but I'm that's my question to myself then is how much can be expected when he still has to do that much on the defensive end?
1: I mean Mike Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the world. He is one of the true two-way players. He averaged 26 points a game. Last season. AD has had seasons where he's averaged. So he averaged 25.9 points per game last season. His first game in Los Angeles or his first season in Los Angeles, it was 26.1. The season before that, 25.9 in New Orleans. The two seasons before that, 28.1 and 28 points per game. This is a dude who is... A career twenty four point per game scorer and an elite offensive talent. the idea that he and this was like as a number one option. he is a number one option type of of player where you can give him the ball, Pete, and he can go and create and get baskets for himself. He's also one of the elite like. Finishers like and and, like play off of a guy who likes to have the ball a lot. He can do that pretty easily, too. And he thrived next to Russell Westbrook. He has thrived next to like a 31 usage LeBron James. He can do whatever you want him to do offensively. I think the it's not about whether or not he can do more. I think he clearly can. It's about the positioning of him within the structure of the offense. And in last season, he got 26 points per game, mostly being a pick and roll dive man and getting some isolation and post touches. But it's like mostly like, hey, we're going to run pick and roll and guys are going to get downhill and they're going to pass it to you. And then you're going to score. You're going to fill the lane in transition. You're going to get some offensive rebounds. You're going to get to the foul line. If he's shooting 80% from, from the line, it's just like, oh, look at this. He's got 25 points yeah, already. Yeah, putbacks in there, right? It adds up quick with AD. Like the one
2: perimeter thing that we would do with him is put him in the corner and set a screen for him, but he was also almost always curling that to the basket, which is essentially a pick and roll just off of the ball. And so
1: yeah. to your point, like all the gravity is going in the same direction. Yeah, and so I'm like, can he do more? Yeah, he's 30 years old. He is right in the middle of his physical prime. And because of the like ups and downs physically that he's dealt with in terms of injuries, like a a messed up knee where a guy fell into him, a a bum ankle where he like rolled it really severely. And then the foot thing that he dealt with last year, these sort of obscure the idea that he's in his physical prime. It's like if you spend a lot of your physical prime being hurt or out for chunks of games, it's almost the idea of well, he's not going to be able to perform physically. But that's not the case, really. With with AD, every time he plays consistent minutes, he's freaking awesome. And so I do think Mike that that he's
3: going to be able to level up. So Pete, take us a break here. On I, I want to clarify something real quick, though, uh, and, and get your thoughts on it because. I don't mean can he physically like or can he uh, literally get this done? Because I think the answer, as you just explained very well, is absolutely yes. It's more will he be allowed to? Will he really be allowed Mm -hmm. to be the number one option, the number one guy? Things run through him like let's he's the guy. LeBron has started to intimate some of these things uh, in interviews already uh, about AD and and that's more what it is. Like I think the capability and and all of that is totally there. Uh, But Pete, I'd love your take on that when we get back from break.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: So at the end of Darwin's media availability yesterday, I believe it was Kobe Price, but I'm not sure, uh, recognized that the blue boxes are not on the floor right this year on the practice courts of UHTC, which were there to reinforce kind of the four out type of spacing. And in Darwin's response to that, Darwin was like, oh, we're gonna be trying a few new things in terms of spacing uh, this year. And sort of a, I think he said like, adding a little few few different spices to the stew type of thing. And I squealed when, it, when he said that, right? And when it was pointed out that the four out boxes were not there. And that is something to me, we're in the chapter now of like being more organized. And that was something that Darwin said, to end his uh, media availability was like, it was it was really organized with respect to the spacing as well, that is a little bit different. And so to me, that is the way of unlocking AD is that in the spirit of AD being this gigantic wing, there was one play that that I saw where he like attacked a closeout from the, the perimeter. And it was just like, like, he dipped his front shoulder and got to the rim in one dribble. And it was like, that to me is when AD is... At his best in the way of diversifying, in the way that you've been harping on, D of like that's how you get more than just the role man. Because that's the thing about any aspect of his game that you can talk about aside from his jumper is it, it's like oh he's great at this. It's like well yes it's it should be part of the diet right and and but seeing him attack off of the dribble and out of like more 5 out type of spacing and just more spread type of looks i think the personnel that we have this year is just much more conducive to spreading the floor and actually have the defense respecting the guys that are spreading the floor you can do that with you know pat bev and dennis schroeder right and i again i'm a huge dennis fan but he, you can put you can get into a five out set and spread the floor, but how the defense reacts to that is just not the same when it's Gabe Vincent or Torian Prince in those types of roles. And so I think to me, that's where I see that being unlocked, d. And the Darwin talking about us being more organized and not starting from square one on like our offensive principles and things like that. There are so many different variations which is what Darvin's been geeking out any about whether it's lineup or scheme wise every time he talks is like
1: that is the way of kind of unlocking the next level for Anthony Davis. Mike, the thing I would say to you too is that as the types of players around AD who play similar positions to him as their roles or their player archetypes expand, the things that AD naturally the things that naturally open up to AD because his compatriots who play the same position as him will do those things. It's almost just like, hey, well, this is in the playbook now for this dude. Mm-hmm. And so I can do those things too, right? It's it's like watching the summer league team, watching Colin, Colin Castleton, Castleton run yep. around and be like this, like mini Sabonis. He was leading the team off- in assists for a good portion of summer league, yep. Right, and then now in practices, AD playing against Christian Wood every game or every scrimmage, right? If if they're positioned opposite of each other, which I think it was intimated yesterday that they were, it's just like, well, Christian Wood is gonna pick and pop a ton. He's not gonna always just pick and roll. And so, hey, if we have to build in these structures into our offense, right? Because not all of our guys are just dive men within the pick and roll. Well then guess what? AD, we should have this available to you, too, because we have it available to Christian Wood. And so what does that mean now? And how does that impact the overall structure of the offense? And I'm excited for these
3: possibilities for Anthony Davis. The other thing that stood out to me, because uh, I think that that is a nice wrap on AD and where he's at. When you think about the roster to start last season and, you know, not, not just the start, but just the the whole the whole dynamic of how the team looked and I'm I'm thinking mostly about this from a physical standpoint. And like on opening night, right, it was next to LeBron and AD in the starting lineup, Westbrook, Beverly, and Lonnie Walker. And then coming off the bench, it was Matt Ryan, Juan Toscano Anderson, Kendrick Nunn, and then Austin Reeves for 16 minutes. Dark days. And now, dark, dark times. So just think about that athletically, like physically yep. the the size. size around, yep. So now LeBron and AD... Instead of having to be the two best athletes on the team, they've got Rui Hachimura, who looks like a, a, a just a, a weapon right now, like a, a missile yep. uh, when he gets the ball in transition and Vanderbilt. Yeah, killing in transition, yep. Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes and just athleticism and size. And, and now, as I mentioned, the backcourt, at the same time, you have D'Lo and Austin and Gabe Vincent. So that team, even though it was small, it wasn't that skilled. It was it was like a comment like I, that Beverly, was driving me crazy. How are we still I mean? can't shoot? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now, so your guys that are like you've got to balance all of that out is a lot of skill in those three guards, and then let's say that there's a particular team that's got big size in the perimeter, then you've got Max Christie and Cam Reddish. Who are big and strong and long and you can deploy defensively in that way. So that's the the team is a little bit more complete from a size standpoint. Once you actually see them out there together. And I do think that Christian would um, answers some of those questions about like my whole thing all summer. Well, if 80 not out there, right, how do they play? And the thing is, well, if you have a big three, four and five or at least a big three and a four next to the five, then you don't have to have that one defensive anchor in the, in the sense that Anthony Davis uh, is one. So that Pete from you getting the chance to watch some of the film, I saw a little bit of it. That was just, to me, it's like, Whoa, there goes, there's another transition dunk. Whoa. There's another, like that type of pop um, that was not in the team. And that to me is, is a, a major difference from the last couple of years.
2: Yeah. Just the, Length and athleticism and at no position is it more evident than at the three, right? We're talking about, oh, is Vando going to start? Is Rui going to start? Like if you stood Vando, Rui and Pat Bev, who is the guy in that position next to each other, just like the physical differences are just massive. Right. And so that really illustrates that. And I think Wood does too. My one concern from kind of watching them is I like I'm curious about the bench units ability to defend. Um, But the guy who really stood out to me, honestly, from from watching it was LeBron and how LeBron was moving. It was, you know, I was talking on the pod the other day, like, oh, you know, if LeBron were 35, you know, a mat, you know, we'd be clear favorites. Honestly, I would have loved to see LeBron last year, just the version of him before the foot in Dallas, like give me the version that gave 47 to Atlanta and the way that guy was moving. And that was the first thing that stood out. Go deeper on that.
3: Like what, moving how, how different, what's what's the difference?
2: I'll describe a couple of the plays, right? First, first play, LeBron's got the ball on the left sideline, getting a double drag screen. I'm not gonna give lineup stuff. And it was such a mix of players that I know everybody's fiending right now for like, oh, what's the lineup's gonna be and all of that. Like if you saw it, it'd be like, it's, like you're getting camped together for your whole team like relax it's we'll know soon but nonetheless it's he's on the left si- sideline he's getting a double drag screen and he goes around it uh the big man hedges on him but kind of like reaches in lebron hits him with an inside out dribble and then like jumps from the right side you know brings it back down little lefty reverse on the other side of the rim right and just like the level of pop in that right there he uh we We did post this one. He hit this ridiculous three in the left corner where he's coming off a screen and like fading one-legged type of thing. And I think it was Tori and Prince. As he's shooting it, he's like, no way. And Prince is on the other team in in, in this matchup. Prince is like, no way. And then it's cash and LeBron's like, wait, go check it out. It's on our YouTube shorts. And then the the third one was... What was that playoff game where he hit the game winner? It was his second stint in Cleveland. I think it was like a game two, and and I forget who it was against, but it was a game winner where he was like dribbling up the left lane line, and he it like was Toronto, it. Toronto, it was right, Toronto, with his right hand he off the glass. the glass, like that shit's <laughs> easy. He right yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he hit yeah. one of those, just like it was, it was gorgeous. And so for me, as somebody who like to me, the biggest question of the team is just like what level can LeBron get to, which is not. Like, we're just in unprecedented territory, D. So it's one of those things where, like, if he does fall off at some point physically, not with, you know, when he's not dealing with an injury like he was last year, Mike. Like, at no point will I be
3: like, oh, I can't believe that happened. But seeing him look like that, Mike, that was my big like, oh, boy, if LeBron looks like this. I think that is the right question. That is the proper question. The way that I've all of the way that I've been thinking is to support a run if it doesn't get to that final Hurdle for LeBron, mm-hmm. and that's part of what I've been talking about with AD and the supporting cast, and you got and, to yep, and and uh, and all of that. But you know, I guess that's Darius. If he if that level of LeBron, and he does find that in there, then I guess I have even fewer questions, and it ju- it just comes down to matchups and sort of the overall health and like what did Phoenix and Denver look like in the conference playoffs, like it. But that. LeBron looking like that, the way that Pete is described, um, certainly takes care of a lot of things because that's a that's a, a pretty decent basketball player.
1: So we'll see what LeBron looks like in March and April versus, you know, the first part of October. Right. And right. it is a marathon. It is a long season. But from the minute he came to the Lakers, because I didn't know what this looked like in his previous stints. The thing about LeBron that I've loved and have really appreciated about him is his ability to set the right tone within the construct of the team. And Mike talks a lot about LeBron's leadership style and sort of the soft touch that he can have. We also know that LeBron can be sometimes passive aggressive. We also know, like, LeBron is never only one thing. He is a human being who's got many different levels to him. Yep. But he has been a leader since he was 14 years old, right? 13 years old? How long has he been the best player on the court or at least the best player on his team? I mean, right? his entire Might. life, yeah. yes. Yeah. since right? he was and,
3: five or six. Yeah.
1: Right, and and there is a natural, when you have that, and then you have this natural leadership quality that comes to you as well, you have the ability to refine that year after year after year. And people talk about getting better as a player, and refining your skills you also get better as a leader and and kobe was i think the perfect example of this and he's talked and he talked about that a lot at the end of his career where it's just like these conversations that he had that that shaped his leadership style lebron though pete it doesn't surprise me that it's just like oh first day of camp oh it's like year 21 Y'all like last time y'all saw me y'all was yeah. like, "Oh, ask me about retirement because, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I I played all 48 minutes and I was tired." And guess what? I spent my whole summer practicing with a dude who's 15 young 15 years younger than me who is built just like me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And I'm practicing with this dude every single day. Guess what? I'm gonna come out here, one of the plays that I saw Pete, it was LeBron being like, "Oh, Rui, yeah. guess what I'm doing? Like I'm shouldering you, and then drop stepping and shooting a little fade right over the top mm-hmm. of you. Like right, like oh, yep. Here's some Mr. Miyagi for you. Paint the fence, right? Like,
3: <laughs> like just to just to underscore LeBron's. I think we still sometimes underestimate and LeBron's level of strength and physicality because Rui is huge. You just mentioned him. He is in his absolute physical prime um, of his life. Right, fully healthy fully cut for all of it and lebron has lebron can still almost easily just nudge him out of the way if he wants to like there is a difference between them physically and rui to the point that we mentioned this yesterday rui took exception to it and was pissed off because the lakers posted (laughs) him next to lebron so that's like that's where even even one of the world's best athletes uh, which rui hachimura is at his age um is not lebron james
1: Let's go to break here, and when we come back on the other side, Pete, I just take us wherever you want to.
2: Yeah, I'd like to flip our attention actually to the other end of the roster, to somebody that two different players, Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell, pointed out as having a particularly good day yesterday, and perhaps the most under-the-radar Laker uh, up to this point has been Jalen hood Shafino. Supposedly competed really well, shot the ball well, looked good, according to both of those guys. I'm curious, Mike, this is a year where he goes in with no expectations in terms of like playing time or anything like that, but... He's a big kid. You see him in person. He's, you know, listed 6'6", 215. We've talked a lot about, like, our guards being a little bit undersized, not all that athletic. He's he's young, right? But he is the other end of that spectrum. He is a big one. And so I'm just curious, what what are your thoughts on Jalen and what this training camp is for a guy like him, considering the broader circumstances?
3: I'm intrigued here, Pete. I was not expecting you to go to JHS. I'm in a... I guess two things. One is wait and see, but two is trust the process. Uh, and I often hearken back to the Lakers scouting staff led by Jesse Buss. And when, when I hear a name from those guys, it makes me raise the eyebrow. Interesting. Cause as you know, I do not watch much, if any college basketball. So what I did, what I did do though, was watch him in person several times this summer. And to me, there were, there were flashes of some really good things, but clearly it needed some more time um to brew and he is young. He just had the one year um at Indiana. And the first thing I'll say, Pete, before yesterday, because I, I he looked bigger than he did in the summer. Um I like height wise. So mm-hmm. I think I, I don't know if if he actually grew, uh it would make sense. It's like when we talk about Max Christie growing, one of you said this yesterday in the text read. Well, yeah, like he is 20. You know, so guys at that age sometimes do it's not like if you go from age thirty to thirty one and you come back taller. It it, it can happen. So he does look bigger. And the question that I asked him on media day, not to fast forward slightly, was you're coming into this team with a lot of positions already staked out of vets that are we know are good players. It's D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves and Gabe Vincent at a minimum. And then at the backup, too, which is which is really not, you know, at this point where he would be, it's Max Christie and Cam Reddish like so. What's the mindset? And he was very much just like, be a sponge, learn, like there's no pressure really on him. But, you know, he was a a higher pick than what the Lakers have had in recent years. This was supposed to be kind of a deep draft. There were things about him that clearly they liked because I had been hearing his name for weeks before the draft itself happened. So I am totally open to the idea that he's going to be a real player and I don't know that we're going to see it a ton this year for the actual Lakers. I hope that he gets some South Bay Lakers run, um, just to kind of get those game reps and experience. And I, and I think that as the 17th pick relative to the sixth, I don't think it's like a faux pas anymore, um, to play, to get those G league reps. So I'm going to be watching and and listening to scouts, Pete, but I don't, I don't have anything from like what he did uh, today. Like you did that. I can, that I can give to you for the moment.
1: I'm super intrigued by him as a prospect. Um, He is a big physical guard, and he is a – you could tell that he has, like, good understanding and feel of the passing reads, particularly as a pick-and-roll player, which is important in today's NBA. He has all the passes out of the pick-and-roll, and And the way that he was effortlessly making the skip read in summer league was super impressive to me as a guy – who understands what the three reads are once you come off of a ball screen and towards the end of summer league he started to more comfortably take that step back when guys were going under mm-hmm. he totally understands how to get to and make the mid-range jumper that's like a strength of his game and then he knows how to read he knows how to read the big and drop and the weak side tag, whether it's like a pinch from the elbow or whether it's coming from the dunker spot tag, Pete, and those are the reads. Yep. and he has those reads down. And he's got a little shiftiness too for his size, right? He uses a lot of like hesitations
2: and hang dribbles, and like that was one thing I noticed in uh, in watching him up close, especially from the up close angles. Uh, it's just the the frequency with which he was getting guys leaning one way and going the other, right? Now, that's a much harder thing to do in the NBA, but he also has, and I think that's part of the reason why he's likely to not be a huge factor this year, is offensively what he does well is the hardest job in the NBA, and it's occupied by the most talented players, which is really that on-ball, run-the-show kind of guy. And so I think that his path offensively is to be able to operate off of the ball a little bit more as well, but I think his his quickest path to playing time is actually on the defensive end, and that's something that I think his defense is closer to being at that point of being like a, a rotation-caliber player than his offense is,
1: but his offense has a, a really high ceiling. Well, the interesting thing, part of it is he's just a physical player, man. And he got beat a few times in summer league. And I was just like, oh, yeah, you weren't ready for this type of guard in front of you. You didn't see that in the Big Ten. Right. Or whatever the conference is called now. Who knows? Right. It's just like, are there even conferences now? (laughs) The thing that interests me, though, about like his his path, we talk about the depth of the roster and sort of like who are your avatars on the roster and we talked about this with Rui right Rui was like at LeBron's hip and one of the reasons why you send Rui to go train at the hip of LeBron is because it's like oh damn like this dude sort of looks like me yep. and Rui was like chuckling about it because you know he's 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 got sort sort of that like eastern sensibility of of like oh no I'm going to defer like I'm not going to talk too highly of myself and they're like oh well they said they said I'm kind of like him and he's like oh am I? (laughs) Meanwhile, he's like flexing at the end. And I'm just like, you see it, bro. Like, like don't play around with us. Right. But if I'm looking at JHS, I'm like, oh yeah, look at the doctorate degree holders from Big Guard University that he's got playing in front of him in Mm D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. LeBron James too. And even LeBron James. But I'm just saying like right in front of him in terms of like, oh, you're actually my size. And you do that, right? Like you could look at LeBron and be like, oh, I'm going to oh, model gotcha. my game after right, right, LeBron. Right. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah, sure you are. Right? You're 6'6", right? 215. You're not 6'9", 250 and the best athlete ever. Right? But he can look at D'Lo and Austin, Mike, and be like, huh, look mm-hmm. what they do. Look how D'Lo slithers to the rim and then does that long extension with his inside hand in order to get that that layup off. Oh, look at Austin like basically give the shoulder in off of the inside out dribble, pull pull it back in in order to get to to the mid-range. These are the spots of the floor that I play in as JHS. How can I take from them? And and I'm encouraged and happy that because he didn't see those avatars during summer league. But he's in training camp now with these guys. And I think that he sees a version of a game that he can get to. And I'm excited for him from that perspective.
3: Yeah. And and after practice, Austin was snaking pick and rolls with Phil Handy. And it's those kind of things. It's like, yep, just pull up a seat, you know, JHS Mm -hmm. and and learn this way. Pete, let me let me flip it to you, though, because the two players that I am most curious about and want to see more of and understand how they're going to fit in are Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes, um, going back to the big positions we most of the other guys in the roster uh, although we still need to talk more about Vincent and Prince, uh, you know we have a pretty good idea of so what did you see or sense from those guys and uh, and kind of where they could best fit?
2: this is again, and this is in the little that I saw right, but this is where I have a bit of a cold water take in that I am concerned about our bench's ability to defend. I think that's going to be one of the storylines this season. And there were a couple of plays where it's like a a reach in where you would rather not reach in and, you know, you know, be in position with your feet um, and and or just guys getting to the rim in ways where it was like, hmm, yeah, we'll we'll see about that. I also just as I think the offensive scheme will diversify a bit, I think the defensive scheme will too. And there are a couple of things I saw that I, I can't get into that were more along those lines. Um, and so I think that there are ways to play to their strengths. And I think that's going to be a, a big storyline this year. And that strength to be more specific, D, is like their ability to switch. And so that to me is what I I saw in very, very limited samples. But curious your thoughts on, on those two, D.
1: Yeah, I think that the questions are gonna remain on defense until they prove that they could do it. Like the quotes are fine. I love hearing Jackson Hayes say I, I like to play defense and yeah. I want to play defense. It's just like, okay, well, I like that you like it. I want you to want it. It's a good starting point. Yes. I yeah. also want it to be effective and I want it to be at the level that it needs to be in order to stay on an NBA court, right? It's it's like I wanna do I run a I wanna run a five minute mile. I, I'm not gonna get there anytime soon. Yeah, and so Have you I'm you ever interested run a five minute to minute see. <laughs> no, no, five minutes is fast, man.
3: Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. And, and I, so, look, I, hey, we see, see now. This is I did, <laughs> but the way that I said it, I was not trying to big up myself. Oh, I was actually no, like, I thought that you did. on the Northwestern leaderboards. Exactly. For and now I feel. <laughs> like this I've guy. just, I've just flexed just for the purpose That's of flexing, not, as hey, opposed to I was hoping to. You've got to establish dominance, Mike.
1: Well, look, 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 <laughs> look, I hear you. I hear you. So I'm interested to see that diversity potentially come in terms of schemes yeah. and whatnot in order to sort of like bring a little bit back of like luke, lukewarm water potentially to your cold water take, Pete. Like if what's being said about Anthony Davis is true, right, which Mike related at the beginning of the pod, then I am a big fan of iron sharpening iron. And I'm a big fan of AD being like, oh, here. I'm going to kick your butts until you show me until like, right, like, let's see some fight back from you guys. There's no better dude for these guys to have to go up against defensively any given day than Anthony Davis. And be like, oh, okay, like you want to learn what it's like to play in a drop coverage in Darvin Han's scheme to see what it's like. Well, let Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell be the ball handler with AD getting downhill in the role and see what that's like, right? And face that and then on, when you go into the regular season, let's see if that can help boost your, boost your floor a little bit. And so like, I'm, I'm hopeful, even though I know that there's a long way to go and
3: I share your sentiment with your concerns. So that was the main when we were talking about fifty wins versus sixty. Like my main concern remains, Pete. Exactly that. Ad's not on the floor. Who is that guy? I don't. I don't know that Christian Wood or Jackson Hayes has shown in their previous stints that they can sort of hold it down like that. But I'm generally speaking, because of how the starters I think are going to play, which is basically starting off with an actual lead as opposed to digging out of a hole, which it was, which is what it was last year, and because of sort of the the supportive firepower on really on both ends. And this is with Gabe Vincent and Rui Hachimura and Torian Prince, who, if those three end up coming off the bench, like that's, that's strong. That's a really strong trio of players that are going to be able to score, that are going to be able to get good shots that are going to get back on defense. And to me, it's just the rest of the roster mitigates that spot in, in those. And can you get just enough and can you have different variations with wood next to AD uh, to kind of come over the top in the other direction? Cause I don't, as much as I would love it, Darius, I don't, I don't know that I see Wood or Hayes really, really being able to like learn from Anthony Davis and, and adopt that, at least in in this calendar year, or, or like it, with this short of a time of a turnaround. But um, that to me remains the big question mark, and and can't wait to sort of see how they attack it.
2: And that's one of the reasons we have training camp, right? And uh, the story is to be continued. Uh, looking forward to covering it as best we can. But until the next spot, you've been listening to Laker Film Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
1: Danger's got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's
0: Magic. Got it.
3: Magic fires. It's good. Yeah, the Lakers win the
1: game. The Lakers win the game. on the Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It. It's on the left Good. No! Kobe Bryant. 48 points. 16 rebounds. <laughs> With his
0: There's the it's move. Going. Two score. Missing. One it. It. <laughs> Unbelievable. for the victory. It's over. Right. Shot clock out of five. Brian. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That is insult to injury, Kobe.
3: I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic.